0: Welcome to Time Out for Humanity, a podcast that invites you to take time off from work for your mental, spiritual, and physical health. Every episode, we interview an expert to show you how. Thomas Campbell is a former NASA physicist. His expertise is in simulations and large, complex systems. He's also a consciousness explorer who teaches people how to meditate, grow up and become love. His groundbreaking research unifies physics and metaphysics, mind and matter, the normal and the paranormal. Recently, he designed a set of physics experiments that would revolutionize our understanding of reality. The design was published in a peer-reviewed journal of quantum mechanics. His book My Big Toe has been translated into several languages. His YouTube videos have inspired millions to live wisely and courageously. To work with Tom directly, please visit mbtevents.com. Hi, Tom.
1: <laughs> Hello, Andy. Welcome back. Oh, Thanks for uh, inviting me back. So it must have not been too bad last time if you, since you invited me back again. <laughs> it
0: was... It was uh, phenomenal. Um, I learned so much. Our our listeners learned so much. Um, Since the last time we talked, um, we created a um, Discord group. Uh, Discord is a live chat software, and we have 200 members. So they submitted some questions for this interview, so I'm going to present them to you. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the first question is from Amandanser77. answers Amenas- 77 says, I have heard Tom saying time and again that we learn from interacting. So, to break my isolation, I've engaged myself in interacting with people from various backgrounds and cultures through web platforms where people exchange conversations with other native speakers and help each other in their language learning without involving any financial gains. This type of learning suits me because I speak several languages and I'm always interested in improving them. Although this is helping me so much in facing some of my fears and I'm gaining confidence in many aspects, I've also noticed that these interactions, are, however, bring bringing more noise to my head. So, question to Tom would be, is this normal or perhaps is a sign that I may be forcing myself too much?
1: Okay, well, that noise that's uh, being brought to your head, that may be part of the learning process for you. When I say that uh, interactions is, is where most of the learning takes place, that learning isn't necessarily or isn't usually intellectual learning. It's not the facts that you're going to learn or in your case, the improvement of your language uh, that I'm primarily talking about. It's the interacting with other people, how to uh, how to do that, how to interact in a way that that all your choices are positive choices, poise, choices toward lowering your entropy. So the fact that you're that you're experiencing some noise and some some discord, <laughs> name of this group, uh, this, just because you're you're experiencing some noise and some discord, that's probably part of the learning process. Not that you're pushing it too hard. Well, you could be pushing it too hard, but. Probably not. Dealing with that discord, dealing with the noise, dealing with the problems and the issues, dealing with the egos, dealing with the fears, dealing with everybody's beliefs. That's where the learning comes through. It's not so much in what these other people will teach you intellectually. It's what you'll learn from having to deal with a bunch of other people. Because other people will be full of fear. They'll be full of ego and full of beliefs. And you have to negotiate that that uh, pathway with all of those potential, um, you know, bombs, you know, or buttons we might call them, you know, that are on different people, without uh, setting any of them off by making your your interactions positive and caring, and uh, that's the challenge. Just to mix it up. And the closer you get to those people, the more challenging it is. You know, the people that challenge us the most in relationship are the ones we call our significant others. Mm-hmm. That those are the ones that give us the biggest challenge because mm-hmm. we interact with them very deeply. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it gets to be very personal there. If it's just a, a meeting you go to and a bunch of people that you're kind of friends with, well, that doesn't get but so deep. Deep, mm-hmm. but still, you have to deal with their egos and their fears and their beliefs. So it's getting out and mixing it up with the general public, you know, with, with people and in having deeper relationships is where the challenge comes from. You know, it's that significant other that's going to challenge your ego more strongly than probably anybody else. (laughs) And you challenge their ego probably more strongly than anybody else. That's the nature. Of relationship. So, relationship is a very growing thing. So,
0: what about when it is time to step back? Because a man answer says, Am I forcing myself too much? And oftentimes we see people forcing a relationship. Um, and so, is there a time to say, Look, I might be forcing myself too much in this relationship, and I need to step back? I might need mm-hmm. to get a divorce. From a best friend Mm -hmm. or from a partner, how do we know when that's the time? How do we know that I'm not just giving up? I'm actually doing something, doing myself and the other person a favor.
1: Well, if you're forcing a relationship, that's generally not a good thing. You know, forcing anything is not a good thing. You don't, you don't evolve by employing you know, control, power, and force. That's the that's the old ethic. That's that's the ethic of the warlord, right? That's the ethic of I want things to be my way. And right. if they're not my way, then you have to change. See, that's the that's the self-centered approach, is control, power, force. You don't want to force anything. You have to let things develop naturally. And if they don't develop naturally, well you'll have to let that be too. Mm -hmm. So if it doesn't really work out and it it isn't uh, something that develops naturally, then you just let it go. So Mm -hmm. if you're in a relationship and you want to differentiate the point to where you're working on it to the point where it's better to give it up, well, look at the potential of it. It's not so much exactly where the relationship is now because relationships always change. They're never the same. Relationship is a dynamic thing. And many of us are looking for a static thing. We're looking for the thing that makes us feel good. And we just Mm -hmm. want that feel good to just keep on feeling good forever. Mm -hmm. But that's not what relationships are all about because people are constantly changing. Mm -hmm. So relationships are constantly in flux. Look at the potential for that relationship. That will tell you how much you should invest as opposed to whether it's time to stop throwing good after bad and and you know time to exit. Look at the potential. And when I say potential, I don't mean potential for you to get what you want. That's your ego. I mean, potential for you to grow. What's the potential for your own growth? What's the potential for you getting rid of your fear, your ego and your beliefs? If the potential is high, then that's probably a good relationship, even if it has pain associated with it. It's probably a good relationship if you're learning, mm-hmm. if you're growing. If you're not learning and growing, as a matter of fact, you feel yourself going backwards. You know, you're finding yourself angry all the time, and you decide you want to change yourself so you're not angry because anger is your choice. It's not something somebody does to you. It's something you you choose to be. Mm-hmm. So if you're just not being successful, you know, you are failing and failing and then continuing to fail. And despite your best efforts to, to grow, you continue to fail, then that's probably not a good relationship for you to be in. Mm -hmm. It may be that the change that you would have to undergo is more change than you're ready for Mm -hmm. more change than you're willing to, you know, to take Mm -hmm. because change is scary. Change requires courage change requires work. It requires effort. So if you're not ready to do that, then maybe you need an easier relationship, one that's not so challenging. Well, there's good news and bad news there. I should say that that blade cuts both ways. And that is that if you have a relationship that's not very challenging, but nice, well, that sounds good but you probably won't learn much. You probably won't grow up much in that situation. It may feel good, but it's not going to help you grow very much. If you're in a relationship that is very challenging, then your potential for growth is higher, Mm -hmm. but there's going to be some turmoil in it because growth, growing, changing has turmoil associated with it. It's hard to do that without, some turmoil going on at least on the sidelines Mm -hmm. so that's the way you look at it what's the potential Mm -hmm. is this something i can grow up to do or is this something that's way over my head i need Mm -hmm. to go back you know i i I went right from you know from step a to step d Mm -hmm. and i skipped b and c i need to go back and learn Mm -hmm. you know b and c before i'm able to take on d And that may be wise. You may need something simpler or something easier. You're not quite ready for that challenge yet. Well, in which case you should, you know, start something else. Don't continue to bang your head against the wall. If you're not getting anywhere, you know, that's not profitable either. So look, Andy, I'd say, look at the potential, Mm -hmm. your potential for growth. Mm -hmm. Do you have the ability to grow up to Mm -hmm. the challenges that, that you're meeting? Can you deal with them? Can you grow beyond them to where they're not challenges anymore, to where you can just accept that things are the way they are, people are the way they are, and you've learned to live positively and gracefully with that. You see? So you can almost make any relationship, if it's not really, you know, seriously dysfunctional, you can probably make almost any relationship a positive thing.
0: Mm
1: it's possible, but some people are ready to do that. And others aren't yet. Mm-hmm. You now I go back in my life and I can see a string of relationships. Each one prepared me for the next one. You know, mm-hmm. I had this relationship and I wasn't so grown up then. And then, you know, another relationship comes and oh, I'm better now. I didn't fall in the same hole anyway, but I fell in another hole. So, you know, <laughs> then I learned from that. And so on, I can kind of see a progression. And that's mm. called maturity, right? You're growing up, you're maturing, you're not the self centered child that you were when you were you know, a teenager. So that process just keeps on going. And wherever you are in there, um, you have to start from wherever you are, you can't, you, you know, it's very unlikely, you're going to take a giant leap. Mm. Most of us don't take giant leaps in our growth. Mm. Sometimes that happens, but most of the time, it's baby steps, one after the other after the other. But even a series of baby steps will get you there. That's fine. That's not a problem. So that's how I would say to do it. And the other thing is, don't be afraid to make your best choice and go with it. Many people in relationships get hung up And in just everyday life, they get hung up with the idea that they can't make a choice because they don't know what the right choice is. Mm. I can't choose because I don't know if it's a bad choice or a good choice. Mm -hmm. Well, no choice at all is probably a worse choice. Mm. It's better to move out of the rut, you know, Mm -hmm. get off of the stuck spot you are and get going again, even if it's not such a great choice. So the way you approach that is that learning doesn't require you to always make right choices. Mm -hmm. Learning requires you to make the best choice you can, and then learn from the mistakes that you make. Learn Mm -hmm. from the problems you create. So you have this, you should have this attitude that says, well, I've thought about it, you know, maybe I've thought about it for months, I've thought from every angle, I've looked at the consequences, and then I've tried to find all the unintended consequences, you know, the consequences of the consequences of the consequences, which are really hard to, to, to think about sometimes. But I've thought about all of that, and I think that the low entropy path would be this way. And you think about that for a while, you meditate on that, and when that seems to settle in as, as the low entropy path, then you just do it. You don't worry, mm-hmm. oh, is that really the right thing? Or am I fooling myself? You know, do I think that, you know, that my ego is not my ego? And, I'm, and you get all wadded up in your intellect, where pretty soon you can't make any decision at all because you're mm-hmm. overthinking it and you're trying to use your intellect. And the intellect is not very good at figuring out problems like this. You have to do these intuitively. You, know, you have to get this information intuitively. Well once you get what you think is the low entropy path forward then just do it. Mm-hmm. But then look back and see you know how that worked out. Was it a good choice? So look back 6 months later, a year later, 5 years later, 10 years later say mm-hmm. was that a good choice? Mm-hmm. Was I was I running to something good or was I running away from something bad? Mm-hmm. You know. What was what was going on here and how did it work out for me? And mm-hmm. what were the What's the upsides and what are the downsides and then learn from the downsides and say, well, what, why did I make that mistake? Why mm-hmm. did I not see that unintended consequence? It was right there. Should have been obvious. Mm-hmm. Why didn't I see it? Well, the answer is because your ego or your beliefs gotten way. That's why mm-hmm. you don't see those things. So then you try to get rid of that ego and get rid of those beliefs. And then you get back in a game and try again. So you evolve by constantly taking your best shot and then learning from it. Don't expect that best shot to always be the best answer, Mm -hmm. but it is the best answer you had at the time, which is really all you can do. Then you take your action. Then you look back on it for the next however many years it takes, where you still get information from it, look back and learn from it. And if you do that, that will optimize your growth rate. You'll grow up faster that way. Then you will by sitting around worrying about whether the choices you're going to make is the right one or the wrong one. And therefore, you don't make any choices. and <laughs> You just stay stuck. <laughs> see my point? It's better not right. just to stay stuck. It's better to, to get moving. Even if what you made was a bad choice and you learn from it, well, now you're better off. You've learned something. So from then on, your choices will be better. So see, you're better off even from a poor choice if you can learn right. from it. Speaking of entropy, um, that
0: is a good segue to our next question by Merlin. <laughs> Merlin asks, it is understood that in your TOE, your TOE, low entropy is good, quote-unquote love, and high entropy is bad, quote-unquote fear. Can you describe this scale in more detail? Is anger high entropy? depression, lust. How do these kinds of emotions relate to entropy? It seems unreasonable for anyone to be loved and happy 100% all the time, right? If someone is depressed or angry, etc., can they still be low entropy?
1: Okay, well, most of us are works in progress. Most of us are struggling trying to grow the quality of our consciousness, trying to, you know, Get rid of that fear, get rid of that ego, and get rid of those beliefs. So we're we're a mixture. Some of us, and some of our interactions, some of our caring, some some of the way we we deal with the world and with ourselves is loving and caring. We do care about people, and some of us is fearful and full of ego and full of beliefs because we're a working process, or progress, or both—a process of progress. <laughs> so. Yes, we are a mixed bag. And yes, you should expect that you're some of both. The idea is to become more of the love and become less of the fear, less of the ego and belief. And that's what that's what you're here for. You know, that's basically the process that you're here to, to work is to reduce the fear and increase the caring and the cooperation and the love. So Sure. You should expect that you can be loving and caring and being part of the solution sometimes. And sometimes you are also the problem. Mm -hmm. You have, you know, you hurt other people. You you're difficult to work with, you know, and so on. Sometimes you're rude. Sometimes you're anxious. Sometimes you're angry. Well, that's just stuff you need to work on. So, yes, you're mixed. Accept that. And that's okay. The thing that's important isn't exactly how you are. The thing that's important is how you grow. How do you change yourself? You know, so when I I tell people, you have to accept yourself as you are, but that doesn't mean, oh, I accept myself, so I'm just fine. I don't need to work on anything. That's accept yourself in a sense that you own yourself. Yeah, this is me. I am like this. Sometimes I get angry. Sometimes I get upset. Sometimes I get mad and I bang things and break things and say things that hurt other people's feelings. And sometimes I'm like that, but I don't want to be like that, but I am. So I need to change that and then work on changing that. That's what's important, not the state you happen to be in, because whether you are, you know, enlightened or just beginning, you still have things to learn. Mm -hmm. You still have things to do people to help, Mm -hmm. you know, a part to play. Mm -hmm. And it's true of everyone. Mm -hmm. You constantly have to be working on these things, even if you're very, very low entropy. If you stop working on them, you'll start to de evolve. Mm -hmm. That entropy will start to creep up if you just stop working on it. You always have to put effort in. That's the second law of thermodynamics. You have to keep putting energy in in order to lower entropy. Mm -hmm. If you don't do anything and you just sit there, entropy by itself will start to grow. It increases naturally. So you'll always have to be putting effort in. No, you're never done. You're not going to graduate, you know, get a gold star or five gold stars and, and <laughs> be done and not have anything to do for eternity. Mm-hmm. You know, sitting on a cloud playing your heart, you know, that's, <laughs> that's not the way life is. Mm-hmm. You know, you're constantly engaged. And the more you learn, the, the more you can be helpful to others. In mm-hmm. the beginning, it's mostly about you mm-hmm. get rid of your fear. Your ego you know and your beliefs you have to work on that, so you're kind of the centerpiece of your of your work. but as you grow past that and you're successful in getting rid of fear, then you're still working on yourself, but you spend more time helping others, caring about others, seeing if you can't produce environments that'll help other people grow. Mm-hmm. And you're still working on yourself, but it's, it's, it's you just change kind of the, the mix of where you put your, your energy. But in the beginning, it is mostly about you. And does that mean self-centered? Well, yeah, you're self-focused to a large extent, but you're in a process of growing through that, growing beyond mm. that. But that takes a long time. You know, it's not you – know, some people, when they get this information and they say, oh, I get it, I need to get rid of my fear and not be self-centered – and then if they're still self-centered a week later, they start to get angry with themselves. Well, of right. course, anger is not part of the solution. Okay. Now, that's not helpful. Well, you're not going to get rid of it in a week or probably even a year or probably even the next 10 lifetimes. You're going to be working on it you know, a long time. It takes a lot of effort and courage to change who you are. It's a it's just an, up, an uphill struggle. It's not a simple thing to do. You have to really, really want to do it. Mm-hmm. If it's just like, yeah, it'd be nice. I would like to get rid of my fear. Nothing much <laughs> will happen. But if you really, really want to get rid of it to the point you think about it all day, every day, that's in the back of your mind, I don't want to be that way, then mm-hmm. you will change. But until you get that to that point, then you're not really ready yet for change. Speaking so, of yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I think did I answer that that question? Yes, you Is- answered
0: that because you basically said, at least to me, you said that people can be low entropy but still have feelings of anger or depression, but that just means that they have more work to do, yeah. Um and it's not a you know one time you know one once you're enlightened then you're. Playing hop on the cloud and that's it, right? <laughs> so now you're you're expanding your circle to help others, and there are challenges, you know, yeah. when you expand yeah. your your focus to help other people. Sure. So I, I believe you answered that um, perfectly. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, Tom. Um, have, so we, regarding the lifetime, so that's that, that's perfect because now we have a question about lifetime <laughs> from Erlich. Nine zero. So um, he asks, when we re- reincarnate after physical death, do we come back in roughly the same time space time? or oh, the same roughly the same time as before we left PMR physical matter reality, or can we reincarnate in distant past, say for example one thousand A.D. or distant future, say three thousand A.D.
1: Well, that one's easy to answer. And that is, time <laughs> passes, you know, linearly. Mm-hmm. Um, you cannot go back and, and incarnate in the past, you cannot incarnate into the future, you incarnate wherever it happens to be. At the time when you decide to incarnate, that's mm-hmm. when you do it, time goes forward. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you, we would have a deterministic reality where the where the past, you know, is is uh, well, the past is what it is, and the future is all determined. You know, there is no uh, choice. We're not making choices. Well, if that's the case and it's deterministic, and there are no choices there, the future's already done. So I go live in the future. The future's already a done thing. It exists, and I can mm-hmm. go play in it. Well, if it's deterministic, then you can't grow up. You can't change. Everything is just the way it is. And you are too, just the way you are. Mm. It would seem unreasonable to think, well, I'm the only one that isn't trapped, you know, in this uh, deterministic system. I have free will and I can make choices, but everybody else, all other, you know, seven and a half billion people here, they're all trapped in the time thing. So when I Mm. go in the future, a hundred years, they're all just playing their parts but Mm. not me, I get to make Mm. free will choices. Well, Mm. I don't know that any one individual should ever feel that special, (laughs) that they are the center (laughs) of all the universe and everybody else is there just to serve their needs. I would think it would be it makes more sense to uh, to let determinism go and say, Well, that doesn't make any sense, because everything's done. So what's the point? (laughs) There is no point if everything's done. Yeah, no growth, no evolution, no change, nothing, no choice. But what
0: about those people that say, "Oh, I remote view into the future, and I saw, and I saw this." Um, mm-hmm. You can. What do, do you that. say to those individuals? Or they say, "Oh, even in Bob's books, he sure. talked about visited different time times." Yeah, you can in, do that. Yeah.
1: You can go forward in time or backward in time. Mm-hmm. But when you go forward in time, you're going into you're getting your, your data going, getting this information is really getting data out of a database. And you're getting your data from the future probable. No, I said that backwards from the probable future database. So the future exists, but only as probability. And those probabilities are changing all the time. Every time we make a choice and we go this way instead of that way, those probabilities change. You see, because if we went that way, well, we would have done different things. And the probability of doing those things goes up. And the probability of doing the things, if we went this way, you know, go down. So the probabilities are always changing as we make choices. And as everybody makes choices, they're all changing. But Mm -hmm. at any particular instant, there is kind of a probability of what will happen in the future. Now, that probability, if it's only 10 seconds from now, That can be pretty strong because it's not too hard to guess what's going to happen 10 seconds from now. You know, we can do that pretty well. 10 seconds from now, I'm going to be sitting here in this chair talking to you. Oh, I must be amazing. I can tell the future, you know, but it's only 10 seconds. So that's easy. And the further out you go, the more difficult it is. So you go out, you know, years or months or decades. Now those probabilities are... I mean, they are probabilities, but they're likely to change. So mm-hmm. we can go to see the future, but that's not exactly what has to happen. It's mm-hmm. likely to change, and it depends. Some events are pretty stable out there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's certain events that you can pretty much count on that are going to happen maybe, you know, from year to year and so on. And you can guess next July 4th, I'm going to hear fireworks going off. Mm-hmm. You know, well, that's a prediction. Well, that's pretty easy. And the probability that's true is very high, and very stable, you know, it doesn't change a lot, right? You know, it's, it's a very high probability and other things are all over the place, they could change dramatically, they could change, you know, to the opposite thing. Mm. In a, in a week, you know, it could go from one thing to another. So it just depends on what you're looking Mm. at, and what you're doing. So yes, people can remote view in the future. They can remote view in the past. Now, remote view is just another name of saying they're getting data out of the database. Hmm. Remote viewing isn't any different than that. People who look at auras are just getting data out of a database. Okay. And you can go into the, uh, the past, look at that past situation, your own life, other lives. But, Remember, that past database is really the future probable database that turns into the past when it goes through the present. Mm. So if there was all these possible things and the probability that they would happen when the time comes, you know, that goes into the past. And now you have all these possible things that could have happened and the probability that they that they would have. You know, mm-hmm. They didn't happen. We didn't choose those. We didn't actualize those things. But there's some probability that we would have actualized those things.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then th- through the past database, there's just one little thread that runs through that past database, which is what we actually did. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the history that we actualized by our choices. So that's just a thread through this database. So you mm-hmm. can get into that past database and if you're not careful about your query, you could be looking at things that might have happened but didn't wow. and, and the probabilities you know that they might have happened, but they didn't. So that past database has lots of stuff in it. Your intent has to be mm. that I want to look at just that history thread if you're only looking mm. at you know what what happened, or mm. I only want to I want to go into the past and I want to look at the things that were you know, or let's say in the future, I want to look at the things that are most likely to happen just Mm -hmm. most likely to happen right now, you know, they have the highest probabilities. Mm -hmm. So something that one in a million, I don't wanna look at that. I just wanna look at the things that are, you know, one in five or higher, you know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And then you can, you'll just get those things. It's a database and you get to specify what, you know, you get to put the query in and you get to specify the output format of the data. So if you are remote viewing, because that's viewing, you're generally gonna get a picture. That's your output format. When you are, say, getting in health data for yourself or somebody else, you probably get a kind of a a humanoid image of that person with dark spots in it which represent the unhealthy. Well, that's just uh, that's just a, a particular output format. Mm-hmm. I want this to be the outline of that person. You know, we talk about, I want to look at the health body of that person. Well, what's a health body? You know, it's a humanoid outline, and we're mm-hmm. going to look at it. Then we have to tell the system, well, how can I tell health from ill health? So we make up something, and we say, well, uh, if it's black, it's not healthy. Mm-hmm. The blacker it is, the less healthy it is. And if it's white, it is healthy. We could mm-hmm. say just the opposite, or we could mm-hmm. use any other colors. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter. It'll give us whatever format we want. You can put it in Mm -hmm. graphs. You can say, I'd like to see health on the y-axis and time on the Mm x-axis, and I want the x-axis to show me every year for the next two decades. So I to see 20 20 points then, or 20 thick marks. And I want to see a health, you know, for each one of those those years, an average health for that year. And you'll get a graph, and you'll get that. So the databases are really very – I don't know, very easy to work with in the sense that you can anything you can think of that you can specify mm-hmm. logically, you can get out of the database, including your own format output format. Mm. So that's why people can get into the past and into the future, but you can't incarnate there. The past ah. is just the past; it's history. You can't go there and live. There's the, when you go see that, it mm-hmm. looks like. There's people going through the motions of free will because you're seeing Mm -hmm. what happened if you're in the history thread or you're seeing what is probable if you're not. So you're looking at that and basically you're looking at a display of the possibilities and their probabilities when you Mm -hmm. go into that database. Now, you can go to that history database and you can become a part of it. You can either look at it like Mm -hmm. you're watching a movie or you can actually go into it Mm -hmm. and be a player. And you can say things and change things mm-hmm. and go in and do something differently and watch how that difference makes differences. It flows you know, from person to person. Uh, you can do those kinds of things, but you're not changing anything. This butterfly effect that Hollywood is so enamored with, you know, you go back in the past and you change something. Everything changes in the present instantly <laughs> because you changed the past. That doesn't work that way. You know, it's just not that way. And the idea that you can, you know, uh, get in a time machine and go back to the past, and the past is still there, you know, alive and living. You can go back and watch the dinosaurs, you know, fight each other or something dramatic. Uh, you know, you can go back and watch that movie. You mm-hmm. can even be in it as a little caveman running around trying to not get eaten by a dinosaur. Mm-hmm. But you're not changing anything. You're just mm-hmm. playing with the history. You're interacting mm. with the database, is what you're doing. You're not going to a separate reality where, where where that particular time continues on forever. A time continuing on forever is an oxymoron. It's it's a logical, you know, it, it's a it doesn't work logically. You know, a time you know doesn't go on forever. Just mm. the fact going on would change it. How can it go on forever if going on changes it? You know, it's it's a, it's a logical, um, uh, you know, I guess oxymor- oxymoron is probably the right word. You know, it's just uh, it's, it's just totally illogical. It doesn't make any sense.
0: Speaking of, um, of body experience or um, remote viewing, um, we have this one question from Toby. Um, Toby asks, a few studies have replicated common parts of shifting data streams. For example, going through a tunnel or the sense that one is on, ce- on the ceiling looking down at one's body mm-hmm. through brain stimulation. How does this fit into MBT? And what, if anything, does this say about determining the veracity of our experiences?
1: Well there are some you know, there are some patterns that tend to repeat themselves um, for instance people who go out of body and they float up toward the ceiling they turn around and there's their body lying in the bed sleeping okay now that isn't necessary to go out of body to do that or to see that that's just the way people have reported it And why do they report that? It's because they have a belief. They have a belief that they live in their body. They are a spirit that lives inside their body. The spirit has to come out of them, right, to get out into the out-of-body world. So because they believe that, that's what they see. They see themselves, and they're there right with their body. Because where else would you be if you just exited your body? Well, fact is, you don't live in your body. (laughs) That's not that's not the truth. You know, it's not the way it works. You don't live in your body. So if you don't have that belief, then you would never see that because you would never expect that. So that is the classical out-of-body because that classical out-of-body goes back about a hundred years or so. And that's the beliefs that people had a hundred years or so is that you are a spirit living in your body and you Mm -hmm. exit your spirit exits. So that's why people see that. That's why it's so common. That's why so many people see that is because so many people have that belief. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Now, when you find yourself uh, in a, let's say an NDE where, you know, your body's dead for a little bit and you find yourself uh, somewhere else, and then you seem to be in a tunnel and there's light out there. So you move toward the light and you pass through a, tunnel of some sort well there's not tunnels in the non-physical you know that people travel through a tunnel is a metaphor for moving for motion Mm. that you have to move to get from where they are to where the light is so when they move they have to have background that's going by you know (laughs) so they're in this tunnel that gives them that gives them uh uh what do we call it contrast you know context Mm. for their motion otherwise if you're just in a you know, kind of a dark space, there's no context for motion. So you don't have any sense of motion because nothing changes. Well, you need a tunnel or something that gives you the context of motion. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to move toward the light because that's your belief. If you can't, if you don't move, you can't get there because you're here and it's there. And the only way to get there if you're here is to move. Well, it doesn't work that way in the non-physical you just teleport you just have an intention to be someplace and you are there you know you don't have to fly or run or or move and you don't need a background to go by you know as you go forward and that sort of thing it's not uh, necessary but lots of people have a belief that if you don't move then you're stuck where you are Mm. so that belief turns into tunnels and other sorts of things, you know, landscapes and other things where they, they have moving. So we have a lot of common beliefs. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of common metaphors. We have metaphors about, you know, the cowboys in the white hats are the good guys. The cowboys in the black hats are the bad guys.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. So when you meet people who are really good in the nonphysical, oh, they're, they're white. They're full of light. You know, they're, they're brilliant <laughs> white light. That's our <laughs> metaphor for something good, right? You see an angel. What are they? And angels uh-huh. aren't dressed in black. Angels uh-huh. aren't dressed in navy blue, you know, or uh-huh. even they don't wear uh, red shirts or green shirts either. You know, they, uh-huh. uh, they're always in, dressed in white because white is pure and white uh-huh. is, you know, anyway, you know what I mean? These are metaphors uh-huh. and they're cultural metaphors that we uh-huh. have. And a metaphor is just, you know, it's a belief really, Mm -hmm. it's a belief in the way things are. Mm -hmm. So why does everybody see that, that, you know, those white, glowing beings that are the amazing beings of love, and so on? Well, that's how we interpret something that's uh, amazing and feels like love, you know, we we make it white and shiny. Mm -hmm. So common beliefs, common metaphors, common ways of seeing the world, Mm -hmm. you go to different cultures that don't share our metaphors. And they would have different ways that they saw things, mm-hmm. according to their own metaphors. So that's why there's a lot of commonality in it. Mm-hmm. And if you dream, you have the same issue. Mm-hmm. People in their dreams to get someplace else often fly. Mm-hmm. You know? But again, you just teleport. You just have a different intent and you go there. What is teleportation? It's not anything other than picking up a different data stream.
2: Mm.
1: I have a data stream here, and I'm paying attention to it, and I want to pay attention to something else. Well, I just grab another data stream. Mm. And in that data stream, I'm there. And in Mm. this data stream, you know, I'm here. So it's not like you're going anywhere. Mm. It's all about information. So the information changes. So you just get different information. So now I have the information where I'm standing on the bridge and the next instant I get information where I'm standing on the, you know, roof of a building. Well, it just, it's information. So I call that teleporting, but it's not really some kind of magical, you know, zipping from here to there. It's just, you, you are different places because that's what's in your data stream for those different places.
0: So one, Discord member uh, asked and he didn't propose this question but he asked this um, to the general public in the uh, Discord group. He says well, what happens and I'm asking this question he didn't ask me to ask you but, um, but what you said inspired me to ask this question. He says well what happens when we're in point consciousness state uh, what happens when we want to go from the point consciousness to um, different places, quote unquote, places, what happens in between. And from what you're saying, it seems to me, you're saying it, whatever you expect happens, happens, <laughs> <laughs> <Pretty> <laughs> whatever much. your culture dictates, happens might yeah. actually happen. Yeah.
1: Is, it, is there something like that? Yeah. Well, that's partly true. Unless that part that's, that's doing the dictating is your intellect. If your intellect's doing the dictating, then nothing happens. <laughs> nothing <laughs> happens at all. But if, it's, if you are in your intuitive space, and for that, to explain that, I'd have to say that you have, um, you know, every consciousness processes data in two different ways. They process it intellectually or logically, and they process intuitively. It's Just two different ways of processing information. Okay, now know, if you process it intellectually, that's that's logic. Things have to make sense. That's things that are rational. Okay, things are causal. This causes that. And, you know, we have this logical process of things. In intuitive space, things just are. They just happen. Mm. It's, um, you know, you just know. When you get data from a database, you know, you don't read it. You know, you don't hear it. You basically just know it. It just mm-hmm. comes to you as information that now you know and a second ago you didn't Mm. same with the remote viewing when you remote view you're getting information you know so there it is all at once It's just there you know it's it's there's no process involved in it it's beyond Mm. logic it's beyond rationality it's a Mm. different process altogether okay so what happens is if you are in your intuitive space not your intellectual space if your mind is in the intuitive space, then pretty much, like you said, whatever you intend is what happens. If you intend to see the Eiffel Tower and count how many people are in the elevator right now, you know, well, there, you can do that. That's your intention. So you can, you see that, you get that information and you can get it visually like being there, like a remote viewer, or you can get it in a, in a chart. You know, or maybe just a big number, you know, 25, you know, lights up. That's how many people are in the elevator right now. So you can get it in different different formats. So that's, though, if you're in the intuitive space. And if your mind is not full of noise, because if you have a noisy mind, then that noise is going to interrupt what you get. In that intuitive space, you need to have a quiet mind, a low noise mind that means you don't have straight th- thoughts running through it all the time mm-hmm. oh gee am i in the right state am i in point consciousness yet am i doing this mm-hmm. right uh, let's see you know i can still feel my hands should i be able to feel my hands or should i not be able to feel <laughs> my hands you know and if you constantly you've got thoughts running through your head which is your intellect trying to take charge and process the data then nothing happens you you kind of stop that intuitive process. You only get that intuitive process when you're relaxed, when you're open and when your intellect is being silent, when your intellect is quiet. And if you have the right intent, the right reason, the right intention, in other words, why you want, why do you want to see this thing or get this information? If it's something that's feeding your ego, Well, then it's not going to work so well. Mm. If it's something to verify your beliefs, then it's not going to work so well, you're going to Mm. see whatever it is you want to see, you're going to find whatever it is you want to find, you know, because Mm. that's what you're doing. It's your ego that's in charge. So you have to be empty, you have to have no expectations, you have to have no attachments, you have to be detached from the information.
0: Mm.
1: You see, and if you're open, detached and your purpose is good this information is going to help you grow up it's going to help you learn Mm. now you've got all the right ingredients and it works and it works really well but if you have a noisy mind doesn't work so well if you're in your intellect and your intellect is constantly kibitzing and and trying to take charge then it's not going to work at all if your Mm. intention is not a good one you want to remote view the ladies' locker room then you know that's not a good intention that's abusive of other people's privacy right mm-hmm. so that's not going to work out so well for you so it depends there's a lot of variables there and these variables have to do with your awareness at the moment mm-hmm. and if it's a low noise awareness then your awareness at the moment is a steady thing mm-hmm and reliable. If you have a noisy mind then your awareness is flitting, you know, all over the place like a butterfly It's every which way, all the time, and then you can't get much that's coherent, things keep mm. jumping, your intellect keeps jumping in and, and taking charge for little snippets. So on the one side, you have this intellect that is that has this wonderful, precise tool called logic. Mm problem with logic is that you never have enough information to really be logical. Mm. All the important problem, all the important issues and problems you have in your life, mm. you won't have enough information to use logic. You know, uh, should I marry Susie or should I marry Sally? Uh, mm. should we have six children or just one or none? Uh, should I take this job or should I take that other job? Should mm. I quit my job and, you know, become an artist or, and a poet, or should I stay with uh, my engineering job and and make the money? You know, these are <laughs> questions that you have and you can never ever make those logically because right. you don't know what's going to happen. And there's no way to, to know what's going to happen. You can look at the probabilities, but you don't really know where it's going to take you. Is it going to take you a good place or a bad place? Mm. You don't know. So you have this terrific, Intellect and this great logic, but you don't have much information to feed that logical engine with. So Mm -hmm. you're constantly guessing. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Now, on the other side, you've got this wonderful information. You're on the intuitive side, you connect to these databases. It's got everything in there that you probably would ever want to know. And -hmm. it's precise and it's reliable. And it's all there, but you've got this tool called your intuition that's a little ratty because you have to have low noise. You have to not be mm-hmm. bothered. You have to not have any, any uh, uh, deta- attachment to anything. You know, you have to have no expectations. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to do because your ego is just full of expectations. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you're, and you're, your uh, beliefs are just full of, I know what the answer has to be because I have these beliefs. Mm-hmm. So you're just full of the stuff that gets in the way. So Mm -hmm. now we have the perfect source of data, but kind of a ratty tool that we have to access it with. Mm. Now we can make that tool less ratty just by developing it, by practicing it, by getting rid of our fear and our ego and Mm -hmm. our beliefs. Then suddenly that intuitive tool is even more accurate, more repeatable, more precise than what the intellect can do. Mm. But you have to develop that tool. Otherwise that tool is just ratty and all over the place and very undependable. You Mm -hmm. see, so those are the two ways that we process the information. Mm -hmm. So it's that the intellect tends to be always in charge because that's how we live our life here Mm -hmm. in this virtual reality. That's how we make choices here. We look at all the, we try to get as much data as we can and then we take our best guess. Mm-hmm. We try to figure everything out. We, we think we're being logical, but we're, we're not really being very logical. We, that's mostly an illusion that humans are logical things. You know, they're not all that logical, but they want to be and they pretend to be. Mm-hmm. They're mostly guessing. Now, very simple things. The logic works like, uh, you know, where are my car keys? Well, mm-hmm. where's the car? Is it in the garage? Yes. Then car keys must be in the house. Um, otherwise, it wouldn't have been driven home. Mm-hmm. Uh, where was I last? Where did I go when I got out of the car last time? and what did I do? and what clothes were I wearing? What jacket did I have on? And you know that's mm-hmm. your logic. can go mm-hmm. through all this stuff and generally it'll help you find your car keys. But mm-hmm. that's a very trivial problem. Mm-hmm. You know what job should I take? Who should I marry? <laughs> you know, these aren't trivial problems. these are mm-hmm. these are life-changing things things that mm-hmm. when you make your choice your life will not be the same it's going mm-hmm. to change your life and the life of other people around you it's going to make a lot of changes you know mm-hmm. losing and finding your car keys isn't really going to change much you know of anybody except maybe yourself and only for a short time until you find them so it's it's not very consequential so that's that's who we are mm-hmm. and that's why we have these these issues is that our intellect keeps jumping in front because that's what we're used to, right? Just mm-hmm. like I said, we have beliefs, like we, we're a spirit, we live in our body. That's mm-hmm. why we are always in our bedroom when we get out of body because we have that belief. Where else would we be? Mm-hmm. You know, we'd have to be just there, probably floating right above our body if we just got out because that's mm-hmm. a belief. So yes, people have a lot of common beliefs, you mentioned before about, uh, you know, if they do do brain scans or people can trigger things and people see themselves out of their body, like in an operation or something, somebody will, you know, they're getting operated on right. see themselves, you know, and how come people always end up right above their bodies? Well, mm-hmm. that's because the belief is common. So it's right. not only out of body. Other things will do that. People who take, mm-hmm. what was it, this thing that dentists used to use, maybe they still do, uh, nitric acid. I don't know but it's a you know it was a used as an anesthetic they'd breathe oh. put them out for a little bit mm-hmm. and a lot of times those people would find themselves bouncing around you know in mm. the you know in the office there where the dentist worked well that's because it's, it's the same thing it's because they have mm-hmm. beliefs they're going to open their mind when they become aware where would they be other than where their body is mhm that's where they have to be
0: so we have this question um, from uh, it's a little bit related to what you just said about um, the human experience from The Largest Cat. That's the uh, avatar name, The Largest Cat. <laughs> and this question is a little bit complicated. So um, I would like you to unpack it uh, a little bit before you answer it. Um, so it goes like this. It says, Tom. I recall you saying one time that our non-physical matter reality version slash consciousness experiences a superset version of the emotions that we experience here in physical matter realities as humans. Because our central nervous system and general biology as humans, which would elicit the experience and emotions of human love, does not necessarily carry over to non-physical matter reality existence. What does that superset version of non-physical matter reality emotionally emotionality look like? With my understanding of the definition of consciousness fundamentally being an information system and one that is not born of our physical matter reality set, it would seem our human expression of love should be completely relative and arbitrary, as a low entropy could be expressed in many different ways relative to the virtual reality and avatar. However, your sentiment before seemed to paint a picture in which, as an expression, love is more fundamental than that. In this context of understanding the connection of human emotion to an IUOC, can you also speak deeper to the intricate mechanics of how Working through emotion difficulty as a human through our biological, physical, (laughs) meta reality experience translates to our IUOC interacting with its inequality. And it goes on. So, but I guess the question is, you know, we have these emotions as humans in this reality. How does that benefit the, the IUOC that's up there or that's out there? How and what is that superset of emotion that the Oversoul or IUOC experience? I that's the gist of the question that
1: yeah. I got. Well, I don't recall saying that. The guy is, says he quotes me. He didn't really quote me, but he said that I had made that 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 statement that the that the, the, the non-physical level the emotions are are uh, quite a bit different. Su-
0: superset. He said super it's set. a superset of emotions. Yeah. Yes. Yeah,
1: but. I don't remember that, but I could have said that because that is kind of the way it is. I just don't remember ever having said that. Right. Anyhow, uh, emotions are one of the ways that consciousness expresses itself. Mm. Okay, you express your awareness. We can express our awareness, multiple ways, Mm. we can express things intellectually, and we can express things kind of again on the intuitive side, intuitively. The emotions live over on the intuitive side. Remember, it's, it's just picking up from where we left off on the last question. Right. So we, we process information on these two different sides. So over on that intuitive side are things we just know. We just are. It just they just happen. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't think about them. They're not part of the cognitive process, they just are there. You know, nobody thinks about, oh, I should be angry now, you know, and then they get angry, <laughs> you know, it just, it's an emotion. It just pours up, it bubbles up out of you, right? It just happens mm-hmm. or, oh, that's very nice. I should feel joyful now. You know, I mean, it doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. The intellect is one thing, the emotions, and on, if we're on the intuitive side are a different way that we operate, that we express ourselves. So it's just a part of the way consciousness is and it expresses mm-hmm. itself. It can be rational and logical which we call intellectual, and it can be feeling and intuitive. Okay, now, the core of us, which I often call the being level, that's just who we are at our core. That is on the intuitive side. That that who we are at our being level is really us on the intuitive side, because on the intellectual side, we don't know who we are. (laughs) We're so confused about (laughs) who we are because we have an image. We think there's ways that we should be. Mm -hmm. We learn by our culture how to be polite, you know how to smile even when we don't feel like smiling. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. we say please and thank you and we have all these little polite things that we do that uh, are just acting. They're not us. It's Mm -hmm. our image. Mm -hmm. We act that way. Us inside is kind of a different person. It's a little more raw and a little more, you know, uh, uh, (laughs) a little more wild, I guess, than that, than that sedate, uh, polite person on the on the outside. So it's part of your intuitive side to have these emotions to have feelings, and to express yourself with those feelings. Now, what about the this idea of the of the superset? Well, when you're here, you have you know you have feelings.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Lots of times, right? You have feelings for family and feelings for loved ones and mm-hmm. feelings for your for your boss and your coworkers. And sometimes those feelings are positive. Sometimes those feelings are negative. But you have feelings about all, all sorts of things. Probably everything. Mm. Because that's really the core, like I say, of who we are. Now, Mm -hmm. on top of that, we have an intellect and we think about things and we come to Mm -hmm. conclusions Mm -hmm. and we come to beliefs and we come to, you know, know, we express our ego in terms of self-centeredness. So we have, we have that as well. Now, when you're in the non-physical, you're, you take along with you, whoever you are. So Mm -hmm. you're in the non-physical, you're out of body now. And you're that same person. You're just not in that body anymore. So all of your intuitive side, including all your feelings, go with you. They're part of something there. But when you get to, you know, so they go with you as part of you. But while you're in that non-physical space, you are not challenged very much Mm. as far as you know, your feelings go. Everything's pretty even there. Now, you Mm -hmm. may run into a monster with three heads and big teeth, and then you might have fear. So Mm -hmm. you'll be frightened and run away. Okay, so you have that emotion, the emotion Mm -hmm. of fear. But your life is not generally nearly as emotional in the non-physical space as it is in the physical space, because in a physical space, that's the whole point of the physical space. Mm. it Ties us together in interaction where, you know, we're all interacting with each other. That's the whole point. The physical space is there. Mm -hmm. So we have more um, Mm -hmm. meaningful choices, richer, Mm -hmm. you know, more significant choices. We're not just trading information. Mm -hmm. We're interacting (laughs) with each other. We're expressing our ego and our fears and our beliefs Mm -hmm. with each other. Pushing each other's buttons, you know, we have that Mm -hmm. sort of thing going. And the non physical is generally not like that so much. So -hmm. the non, the non physical in general is the superset. In other words, that's the bigger thing. It contains the smaller thing, the subset. So the subset has the potential just to be very emotional and, and go through a whole, you know, series of emotions, even though at the, you know, even though the superset doesn't exercise those very much, they're there, they're available. They -hmm. just don't get exercised a whole lot. But then we come to this virtual reality. Now that part of us does get exercised a lot Mm -hmm. and we become Mm -hmm. very emotional. And here, um, love as there can be just the way you are. As this person Mm -hmm. said, you know, it's just the way you are. You care about people. And it's not something that you particularly do. You don't have to go up and kiss each one of them on the cheek. You know, mm-hmm. it just you just care about people. And it's just that simple. And you have love in your heart. You'd like to be part of the solution. You'd like to help. You'd like to uh, uh, make yourself available to to and useful to others. And you just do that. You're not pushy. It's not, hey, back off. Let me help. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's not that sort of thing. <laughs> it's just so the love is there, but it's it's it really doesn't have to be focused Mm -hmm. at anything or anyone. It's just Mm -hmm. the way you are. Mm -hmm. And we have that here. Mm. Not so much because not so many people are that grown up, but we do have that here to some extent, you know, people are like that, at least we all have our moments of feeling like that, perhaps, Mm -hmm. even if we don't feel like that very often. Um, But those are the feelings of a low entropy consciousness. Mm. Now, when you get here, you have a lot more going on emotionally, because you mm-hmm. have a lot more interaction, mm-hmm. a lot more stuff, you have more things to wrap your ego around more things to believe mm-hmm. than you had when you were you know, in the non physical. So that's one way to look at it. Yes, mm-hmm. the superset has it all, mm-hmm. but it doesn't necessarily exercise it all very well, which is why the simulator had to be created in the first place. It's like you- a crash course. <laughs> yeah, it is the simulation. I call it a entropy reduction trainer. You know, and we're in this entropy right. reduction trainer in order to interact with each other. Which is why relationship is is the key thing that happens here, because it that's is. you know that's this interaction that that uh, we get our egos and our beliefs and things wrapped around. So yes, it's a it's it's a schoolhouse. It's a trainer, and it had to be created in order to. Make the evolution more effective. Mm. You know, faster, more effective. so we can grow more quickly here than we could grow in the non-physical, which is a good reason why people should not spend six or seven hours a day meditating. Mm. You know, you get out of balance. You need to be mm-hmm. here connected with people. it's It's a good reason why, To become a spiritual person, you don't want to go sit in a cave by yourself Mm. because it's a lot harder to grow up there than it is out on the streets where people are, you know, making, forcing you to interact with them. That's different. That requires more growth to be able to deal with all of that ego and with all of that belief and all of that fear and deal with it positively it's easy to sit in a cave and feel positive. <laughs> as long as you have food, and as long as you have water, right. and you're not cold, then it's easy to be positive when you're by yourself.
0: So speaking of training, um, we have this question from um, Astro Explorer. So Astro Explorer asks about um, affinities. So he says, or she says, um, some people gravitate to certain paths, or states like a fish living gracefully in the in water. We're here to grow, but is it possible for certain states or path we just don't have an affinity for and isn't a profitable path? Um, maybe I'll just summarize this question. Basically, he's asking or she's asking, look, um, sometimes we are very talented on certain things, right, like music or art, and sometimes we're not. If we just develop the part of us that we have an affinity for, is that, is that taking the easy way out? Or is that, um, the LCS nudging us towards, um, developing those, um, those talents of ours?
1: Okay. Well, it could be both, you know, it could be all of the above. It just depends on the individual. Mm. In general, whether something is good or bad, right or wrong, depends not on what you're doing, but on why you're doing it. It's the intent behind it is where the, you know, kind of the, the moral value or the ethical value or even the value to yourself lies in in what's behind what you're doing. Why are you doing that? All right. If you, um, you know, have certain talents and skills and things are easy for you, so you all, so you just do what's easy just because it's easy, well, yes, you're kind of escaping, you know doing something easy, and if you don't get challenges, you won't grow up very much, so that's not a good thing. if on the other hand, you have some skills, and yes, they're easy, but you love doing that stuff. you really relate to the art that you're doing, you relate to the to the music you're playing, whatever it is that you're you know, that you do, it's part of you and you're expressing yourself that way. And it's through that art or music that you interact with other people. And part of your gift to other people is you're playing, you play that music, and maybe 1000s of people enjoy it. And that's part of your giving. So you see, in that case, that's part of your growth. Mm -hmm. And that's a very, you know, fundamental part of your growth. So good, go do that. But the first case, if it wasn't something that you really related to tremendously, it just was easy. You had the talent and you had the skill. So you do it, but you're not really involved in it. You're not really embracing it so much as a way of life as that as you're just doing it because it's easy, Mm. then it's a cop out. (laughs) You know, you'd better, you know, you'd probably do better (laughs) doing something else more challenging than just Mm. things that are, that are easy. So it depends. You can't say that what you're doing here and, you know, that's good or that's bad or that's profitable or that's not. It depends on why you're doing it. What are you learning? How are you growing by doing what you're doing? Mm -hmm. What is it it doing for you? Do you feel fulfilled? Do you feel good about yourself doing this thing? Or is it, yeah, it's a job. No, it's what I do.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You see, that's kind of the difference. So sure, if you've got talents, if you have an affinity for something, then be it, do it, live it, love it, embrace it, make it part of your life. Nothing wrong with that. We need all sorts of people. And if you happen to be naturally good at something or have affinity for something, then, well, you have more gifts to share Mm -hmm. than the average person in that area. So go share those Mm -hmm. gifts you've Mm -hmm. got but if you know if you're doing that you should be happy with it you should feel fulfilled doing it it should be a good life mm. but when we start doing things just because you know we have to pay the rent well a lot of us are in that boat you know we take a job we don't love the job we don't even like the job we don't like the boss we don't like the people we're working with but we get up every morning and go anyway because we have to pay the rent and put the chid, kids in school and you know, buy food, we have these things we have to do. So we go do the job. And we, we don't, uh, you know, we work to live. We don't Mm. live to work. Well, if what you're doing is something you love, then there's no distinction there. You work to live and you, you, you know, you live to work. It's all one thing. So that's nice. But everybody won't find themselves in that circumstance. Most people will find themselves in the circumstance that they work to live. Mm. They don't live to work. They do their work because that's something they can do that pays the bills and bills have to be paid. So that's not a bad thing. It just means that you realize it, accept it and stop fussing about the boss and the coworkers and all that stuff and just accept it and be positive about it and say, okay, this is what I need to do. So Mm. you go do it and you do it well and you interact with people and you, You know, make it something positive. Turn it into something that is okay. And if there's people there who are nasty and belligerent and whatever, well, that's a good lesson. You learn to deal with them positively. Oh, Mm. this is a good job. It's really teaching me a lot of things. I have to (laughs) learn to get along with abusive people. All right, Right. uh, let me figure out how to do that. And you work on that. And, see, you can be positive in really any situation. You can grow in almost any situation.
0: Here's a situation that Astro uh, came up with. Astro, not Astro Explorer, but Astro, a different user. So he has this question about what happens after we die. Uh, and I'll summarize the question. Um, so basically he's, asked, he, he's, he's telling a story. He says that he has a friend who is very good at uh, our body experience. And this friend can create these uh, worlds, um, our body. And so Astro wants to know if that is indeed the case, uh, what we can do after we die. Can, can, after we die, can we just create our own world?
1: (laughs) (laughs) If that's what you'd like to do and that's what you want to do, well, you can just go do that. But you'll find that probably very unsatisfying after a bit. Mm-hmm. Now, really, this friend of Astro who uh, goes out of body an out of body is mostly a single player game. Mm-hmm. So when you go out of body, you let go of this data stream, which means you stop processing your sense data. You let go of this data stream and you connect to some other data stream. Well, where does this other data stream come from? Are there just loose data streams hanging around out there that you can that you can grab hold of? Mostly that's not the way it is. Mostly the system sends you a data stream. Mm-hmm. Now you're in a single player game. It's just you. Now there may be other entities in the game, but most of those are probably going to be NPCs. You know, just like mm-hmm. in single player games that you have now. You know, you're a single player Game. Then there's other things in the game. You know, there's monsters and other stuff and ghosts that float around. There's other, all kinds of NPCs that are generated by the computer. So most out of bodies are single player games. It's not so much that you that the Astro's friend creates realities as the system hands them a data stream, and that data stream has potential. For his friend to grow in other words just like here we are in this entropy reduction trainer we have a lot of potential to grow we interact we do things we see things we interact with things and we grow by our choices same thing when you're out of body In out of body you go places you see things you interact you make choices and you grow you evolve or de-evolve according to the quality of the choices you make so it's a different space but Similar in that we're doing the same thing. Dreaming is, the, is another. When we dream at night, in our REM motion, right? For our eyes start to flutter around and we dream. It's the same thing. We go and we are now aware in another reality system, a different virtual reality from either this virtual reality or the out-of-body virtual reality. And we're in a different reality and we get to make choices. And by those choices, we evolve or de-evolve. So we work all the time. You work at night, you work during the day, anytime that you are experiencing, you're basically working on evolving yourself
2: mm-hmm.
1: or de- evolving yourself, depending on the quality of the choices that you make. So that's, that's really what's going on with this, this out of body, your friends mm-hmm. getting a data stream. Now, if your friend doesn't do much with it, if he just like, a um, you know, he's just like a tourist, you know, oh, well, that's interesting. That's interesting. Uh, and he doesn't actually interact with it. Then he's wasting a lot of opportunity. Mm. Those sorts of things. You need to embrace what happens in there. You know, you need to interact with it. You need to get involved. You need to whatever, because then you get richer choices. Mm. If you don't interact, then your choices are all kind of mundane and and don't have a lot of uh, content and, and significance to them but we can create realities yes and we do that all the time we call those daydreams if we create them in the daytime and we call them night dreams if we create them in the nighttime but not all of them are us creating them Mm -hmm. i guess i should say this there's three different sources of data you can get data from the larger conscious system You can get data from some other iuoc, some other consciousness, and you can get data from yourself because you are conscious. Consciousness Mm -hmm. can create information. It can receive and it can create and send information. Mm -hmm. So those are your three sources. And any experience you have is a virtual reality created by information coming from one of those three sources or from Mm -hmm. a combination of those three sources. Mm -hmm. So you can just use your imagination to create Mm -hmm. any reality you like. And here, if you do that now, well, your body has certain responsibilities here, right? You can't just sit and get lost in your imagination because you'll have to get up and go eat a sandwich, or somebody calls you, or... You have to interact with other people or you need to go to the bathroom. You know, you got all kinds <laughs> of things pulling at you. So you can't get lost But so much in your daydream. When mm-hmm. you're in non-physical, that's not the case. If you want to sit mm-hmm. and create a reality, hey, have at it. You yeah. won't have to eat a sandwich or go to the bathroom, either one. You know, you can just daydream. You can just make up a reality and live in it if you like. But what happens is that after a while, those tend to be very limiting, they don't challenge Mm. you, you don't Mm -hmm. learn much, you find out that after a while, it's kind of stale, because Mm. it's all being pushed by one source, and that's you. And you are very (laughs) limited in your knowledge and in your understanding. And after, after you've exhausted that source, you begin to bore yourself and then you start thinking gee i need to get back to work and learn and then you get out of your daydream and you go back to the transition reality and say okay i'm done now i'm ready i want to i want to sign up for my next incarnation because so I, need, nice. I need real experience that's going to challenge challenge me so yes you can do that if you want right. and you can just do it as long as you wish but mm. for most people that's not too long it doesn't take very long before they Decide that that's not what they want to do. Now, the your, the friend of Astro doing the out of body, he's more likely not just making it up. He's probably getting another data stream, having experiences that are outside. You know, the information's coming from outside of him. That's mm. typically the way it is in an out of body. Out of body's not a daydream or a night dream. It's different. Mostly, you're getting another data stream that's being handed to you by the LCS. That's Mm. typically the way it is. But yeah, after you die, if you just want to sit and daydream, sure. As long as you want, There's, (laughs) there's no, there's no time test. Nobody's going to tap you on the shoulder and say, don't you think that's enough? Nobody's going to bother you. You can just go do what you want, but it's just not very satisfying compared to getting back in the simulator where you're, have lots of unknowns—things that you don't generate, mm. things that other people generate. Now you just have to deal with it. You have to deal with other people, not just yourself. That's now much more interesting.
0: So Astro has a second question, and thanks for answering that uh, so well, Tom. The um, so second question is also about um, after death. He asks um, if someone is born born in this physical matter reality, if they're born blind in death, um, does that mean that they cannot hear or see in the afterlife?
1: Well, it may affect it somewhat, but no, it doesn't mean that at all. You know, you, if you, if you have Alzheimer's here, you know, and you can't remember who you are, or none of your family seem like they're familiar to you, and you're just kind of deteriorating as an Alzheimer. That doesn't mean your consciousness, you know, is is lost and, and has Alzheimer's. You know, mm-hmm. your consciousness is fine. It's just that the biology limits what the consciousness can do, you know, with that mm-hmm. avatar. So if the avatar has Alzheimer's, then the consciousness can't do much with it. It's hard for it to function. It's like working, a, a, you know, a sim character that... Uh, you know, is is disabled in some way, you know, you get a sim character with no arms. Well, how are you going to open the refrigerator door? You know, it's a problem. So you just can't do it. You just have to wait for somebody else to do it for you. So there's less and less you can do as a player when you have Mm -hmm. a a character that is debilitated, Hmm. but that doesn't mean that there aren't a lot of choices. Somebody with no arms has a whole set of choices that they have to make that somebody with two arms never has to make. So in a way, all of those can be very rich. But that's not the case with Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's doesn't give the person a whole new rich set of choices. Alzheimer's is just kind of a wasting disease of the biology and the consciousness. uh, Actually, if the the Alzheimer's is is such that there are no periods of clarity, the the consciousness may move on. That Mm. body could sit there and just be an NPC, you know, for a while, you know, the conscious could say, Well, I'm not learning anything here, mm-hmm. and exit and go on to another lifetime. And the body could still be chugging along, like an NPC, just until the biology wears out. Because mm-hmm. that's the way the game works. Mm-hmm. And we have this, this biology. So let's see, where was I going with that? Um, Remind me of the question again, and the I think there was another was, part to um, that.
0: I think you already answered it. You're basically saying that just because someone's born deaf or blind here, that doesn't mean that they'll stay that way after death. They can see. They can have visuals, and they can have sounds. Yes. Um,
1: yeah, the one thing is if you're born that way and you don't have any experience of the other, then you know, it's just like when you, when you go out of body and you find yourself looking at your body because you have this belief. Well, when you go out of body, and you hear things, and you see things, well, what do you mean? You don't have eyes and ears. Mm -hmm. You're just getting information, you don't have eyes and ears. But we interpret everything in terms of our sight and our hearing. Mm -hmm. So we get data, we interpret that data in terms of our ability to see and hear. oh, I saw this, I saw that, you know, I heard these things. And it's not because we actually saw or heard anything, but that's how we interpret the data we get. It mm. kind of feels like this and that. So we it's just our interpretation in terms of what we know, which is sense mm. data. So a person who was born that way wouldn't have that, that sense data. So they would tend to be more in the abstract. There, they would get the information but they wouldn't express it in terms of sight and sound, perhaps, they just get Mm -hmm. the information, everything would be um, intuitive, in a sense, Mm -hmm. everything would be, you know, you just get it. So they probably get the information just fine. They would understand it, they would learn, you know, they would hear it. But um, they may have a problem. Now, let's say that that's not that I'm, I'm thinking here, I'm, I'm giving you that description based on this is their first incarnation, brand new IOC just got made yesterday, first incarnation. Yeah, they may have a little trouble because they wouldn't have this way of interpreting the data. But if they had been around a couple of times where they weren't born blind and deaf, then they would have all that information would be there in their IUOC. And they would be able to pick it back up you know very quickly. Just mm-hmm. the fact that they had one one uh, lifetime like that isn't going mm-hmm. to erase all the past data, you know So in that case, they would have all that information that they could translate to sight and hearing. Mm-hmm. Mm. but when when we when we interact in the non-physical, we interact telepathically we don't talk to each other. We don't see things. We're we're really giving people pictures and we're giving people ideas and feelings and information. They interpret the pictures, they interpret the sound. So we're telepathically connecting with them. So you have to have an experience of sound and pictures to do that. But unless you just got created as an IUSC and this is your first time, there really won't be a problem when you're in the non, when you're in the non physical, your IOC would have all that information that mm. it would, that it would need you See, it's interesting for us, because we, we go out of body, we do things that are unusual. And then we take that unusual thing and try to convert it into our usual sights and sounds. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. So mm. mostly what we say is our best guess at what it seemed to be like, So when you talk to people who are out of body, typically they have trouble telling you exactly what it was that happened. Mm -hmm. If they don't, then it's probably because the system is giving them a data stream that has everything well defined for them in terms they're used to. Mm -hmm. Then everything's perfectly clear. Oh, there's a a building. Well, if you've never seen a building before, you would have no idea what it was. You wouldn't say there's a building. You'd say, what's that? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, you wouldn't have any words for it. Mm -hmm. So if that's part of what makes communication difficult. I mean, we're talking about out of body, but just you and I talking to each other works the same way. I'll tell you things in terms of metaphors that mean something to me. You'll translate those in terms of metaphors that mean something to you. And it may not be the same thing. It's difficult for you to understand what I mean because you're not me. Uh, you see, and same, it's difficult for me to understand what you say because I'm not you. So just normal conversation, uh, inner communication between people has this problem of one, you take what the other person says, uh, you have to convert that into your own experience. Right, And then you take your experience and you send that out to them and they have to convert that into their experience.
0: Hmm. So with that said, I want you to listen to someone saying something and I want to hear what you say about this person's experience. And it's from a recording uh, from the late 70s. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) This person is someone that you know very well, I think. <laughs> so I'm gonna play this. Um, and, okay.
2: Back to the other question. First of all, I had the impression that um, the physical matter reality and as much of of uh, as much of, I guess, what is normally called reality, Um, not only physical matter, but also uh, a certain amount of our uh, daydreaming and imaginative, intuitive qualities are part of a sort of like a a large... um, daydream or thought from a a higher consciousness. And just as we can daydream and invent characters and situations, we are characters in a situation that was invented or dreamt, so to speak, um, in this case, though, quite consciously dreamt by a... Um more advanced sort of consciousness. And the part that we have to play in this uh, uh, daydream is one of uh, education, one of learning, And bettering ourselves, striving to become more. Now, I'm not clear why this, uh, this, uh, this kind of over consciousness or over soul, um, is having this daydream, but I have the feeling that it's for its own education. It, it learns as we learn.
1: (laughs) How about that?
0: So, so, in, so, in this case, um, that that uh, reason may not apply because that is you. Yeah, so, tell but, us about this recording. I love okay. this recording, by the way. I love this segment. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Um, so, well,
1: tell us a little bit about this. Notice, notice the voice is struggling to try to find words to, you know, to put this into language. And that's just what we were talking about, just before you, uh, you played that. And that is, yes, I was there in a booth, and Bob was in the control room. And he was asking me what I was seeing and what was going on. And obviously, the LCS was giving me some information about how reality worked. And uh, it's funny, I, uh, you know, all the things that I was being told there were, were uh, true things. You know, that's how it works, but I wasn't to figure it out and put it in a model till some 30, 40 years later. But, uh, you know, there it is. I was being, uh, you know, it was all being explained to me. Of course, the metaphor was that, you know, it's a, you know, we're, you know, Sort of the old thing, you know. I dream. I dreamt that I was a butterfly, dreaming that he was a man. You know, am I, the butter- yes. am I the butterfly or the man? You know. Yes. Yeah. Zhang you I- said that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's back to that same idea that there's this. You know, I didn't call it larger conscious system because I didn't have that. I didn't have that uh, metaphor then. Mm-hmm. But yes, there's this larger conscious system, and uh, and uh, I didn't know why it was doing that. In this case, Mm -hmm. she said, I'm not quite sure what its point was, but now I do. It's about evolution, lowering entropy. Mm -hmm. It had to break into pieces. It had to have the dream to break into pieces so that um, there were more potential in what all those pieces Mm -hmm. along with it could do together as opposed to just one thing. So it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, see, I didn't understand that either. But that was uh, what I was getting that just there was some reason that it felt like it had to do this. And I thought it had something to do. It was getting something out of it, too. Well, it was. It's evolving <laughs> as well as we're evolving right. with it. So, see, I'm getting little bits and pieces of the answers. I wasn't able to put it together into a, into a model until much, much later. Mm-hmm. But uh, sure enough, that's, uh, that sounds like one of the probably many hundreds of, uh, of tapes some of which survived. Actually, a small percentage of them survived. Mm. You know, Bob would put these on. He bought the cheapest cassettes that money could buy. You know, these were like, <laughs> had, you know, two dollar cassettes that he got from Radio Shack or something, you know, right. they were really cheap because he, he was just going to use them like this. They were short little cassettes, you know, just go for mm-hmm. an hour, maybe as long as our sessions were. So he'd get a session and he'd label it and he'd throw it in a box, you know, and he didn't know exactly what, why it was being kept or what function it would do or whether anybody would ever listen to it. But that was just recording, keeping data, right? We were in the lab and we kept track of what we said and what was going on. So he put a tape, throw it in a box. And eventually after he passed away, they found these, uh, these big boxes full of tapes, you know, hundreds <laughs> and hundreds of tapes in these big boxes. And by then only, i don't know i was told at one time but something like only about 20 or 30 percent of them were actually usable they had mm-hmm. they were too old because mm-hmm. tape only good for about 15 years before they start to oxidize and and these were more like 20 years old or so so um more recent ones i guess were still there others that were at the bottom of the barrel and didn't get a lot of uh you know didn't get sunlight or other kinds of things (laughs) or much air circulation they probably degraded slower and and uh, so they found just a percentage of them that they could copy and put them into digital format which of course will last forever you know digital format doesn't degrade with time Mm. so in any case uh, yeah so that was one out of my past yeah i've got you know years and years of doing that like three times a week for an hour or two each, each time. So literally many hundreds of those, uh, those audios. But that's interesting that uh, I was being given the uh, basically pieces of the model. I just Mm -hmm. didn't understand why it was that way. To me, it was just okay, these are, you know, these are assertions that it's Mm -hmm. sort of like this. And the metaphor was that it's a a consciousness that's dreaming us. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, we're subsets of that larger consciousness system is the way I say it now. And, uh, you know, we're IUOCs, individual units of Consciousness. But it's all the same thing. You know, we're all in the mind of, of, uh, you know, the LCS. The LCS is a mind. It's an information system that has thoughts in it.
0: You know, when you said we're all in the mind of the LCS, um, when I listened to that recording, I feel that I feel so much love. I feel this intense unconditional love that we are all in the heart of LCS. Um, it's a very beautiful moment when you said that LCS, or at that time the overshow, <laughs> overlord, yeah. trumped yeah. us for our benefit. And um, did you get that taste of love? Do you remember um, at that time that Or was it all information, all um, just binary, dualistic information, messages? Or did you get this intense feeling of almost divine love?
1: I did get the feeling that this was being done purposefully. It wasn't just something that randomly happened to happen. It was done purposefully. And that the, the system that was the source was very benevolent obviously and was also getting something out of it as well you know it was it was part of its process right. we were kind of part of its larger process hmm. so i had that so yeah i did get i did get a sense of a of something larger something benevolent something uh, caring i had those senses i don't know that i was you know, overwhelmed with the feeling of love, but I did have all of that, uh, Mm -hmm. all of those senses there. You have to remember, I I was 20 something and a physicist. So (laughs) I tended to to work through the intellect more. I was more trapped in my intellect at that time, Mm -hmm. but it, it, um, yeah, that was interesting. I'm glad you played that. That was that was fun to go back. Uh, yeah, sometime in the early 1970s to to hear that. But the, the thing that got me immediately was the voice that 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 was trying to 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 interpret what it was getting into words. You know, and it's like dragging. You know, it's like trying to drag that out but it was because you get all this in feeling space. This is all intuitive, right? This is right. The intuitive me. I'm out of body. I'm not in my intellectual mm. side. I'm mm-hmm. in an intuitive side. I'm not getting this intellectually. I'm getting it all intuitively. And it all is coming as feeling and just knowledge and information It's just mm-hmm. there. And now I have to convert it into English and talk to a microphone, <laughs> to try to make it sound coherent You know, when for me it's just this, this, uh, sense of knowing and feeling. So Mm. that's what the struggle was, you know, in the voice. Yeah. Trying to do it was trying to, to, um, what translate what you get at an intuitive level into a literal, you know, intellectual level, you know, sentences and words that, that mean something in the, in the metaphors that are, that are worthwhile and struggling to find the right, Things to convert feelings into words mm. and knowing into words. I didn't get it as words. Nobody said, Oh, I am the oversoul. I'm the big consciousness and I'm dreaming <laughs> you guys. And I could say, Oh, it's a big consciousness and it's dreaming us. You know, it wasn't like that. Uh, Speaking it was, of struggling. I'm um, yeah. oh, sorry. Go ahead, please. No, <laughs> it's all right. I'm done.
0: Speaking of struggling, um, you know, on the uh, MBT, the Scott group. Um, there were several conversations about struggling during meditation. Now, um, in the the end of your book, um, the MBT trilogy, you said, you know, when you go out of body, tell others that Tom, Uncle Tom sent you. Uncle Tom
1: sent you, and I'll leave the lights on for you.
0: And, So to me, that's a way that you're offering help to people who are explorers, Mm -hmm. who are exploring. Mm -hmm. Can people, when they begin to meditate in each meditation, meditation session, can they reach out to you and ask for your help too? And would you help them?
1: Sure. Absolutely. That's why I said that. So many people struggle. They do, but a lot of people take it very uh, literally, which is how I intended it at the end of the book. And they do. They start to meditate and they call out for Uncle Tom and uh, (laughs) Uncle Tom comes and gives him some help. So it works. Yes. I set up an intention within consciousness that if, you know, that occurred, somebody with that thought, you know, had read the book and had that thought that they could do that. If somebody did that, then help would come. So it's a it's a. uh, it's a conditional that I have set up that gets triggered whenever anybody does that. And they do indeed get help.
0: It's your promise to us.
1: Yeah. It's a, I guess a little gift for somebody who (laughs) got all those gold stars all the way through to get to the end of the book. They, they deserve a little, a little gift. Um, speaking of book and,
0: you know, you've been very generous, given us a lot of time. Um, speaking of book, um, I heard that, um, you gonna spend more time,
1: um, writing. Is that true? <laughs> I'd like to, um, <laughs> yes. And I'd like to spend more time. It's hard to find the time, uh, the kind of writer I am. I know some, some authors, they'll have like four books all going at once, you know, and they write a little bit right. in this one, a little bit of that one. And they just have this whole thing running. I don't do that. Um, uh, That's not my style. My style, I need to get like four or five, six hours at a time with no interruptions. You know, just Mm. have that kind of a block of time where I can think about get my mind into the space I want. And how am I going to say things and how will people understand them? And what is the best way to say them? For me, it's not so much what to say, it's how to say it so that people get it. Mm. That's the harder part just like I was doing in that little audio <laughs> file, you know, struggling with trying to say it in a way that would make sense to somebody, right. because I can't just share my experience, you can't share an mm-hmm. experience, all you can do is describe it. And describing it is is difficult if you're getting it all intuitively, rather than getting it intellectually. Mm. So in any case, when I write, I write out of an intuitive space, and I need to block a time and I just have a really hard time finding blocks of time. Now, mm. Pamela is trying to help me there. She is trying to, to um, block off days and things, you know, that I can, that I can do that kind of thing. But it's difficult because you block off a day. And then there's three or four people who need to talk to you like right away. So you give them that day that you blocked off, you know, so mm. it's, it's a problem trying to find that <laughs> amount of time. Maybe I will. That's just not what I'm doing now. I'm, I'm interacting more than mm-hmm. I am writing. So I have right. a lot of things I could write about and a mm-hmm. lot of things I could do there, but it's, you know, when I get, when I get breaks, I like to spend them with Pamela, mm-hmm. you know, here we are both retired and, uh, you know, hardly have time to, you know, to see each other. You know, we, we live in a house together and uh, kind of wave as we pass because I'm busy Mm. all the time. She's got a lot of things she does as well. And when we are when we have breaks, we just want to hang out together. We just want to be together and just Mm. talk about nothing at all or just watch the the trees grow or uh, (laughs) listen to an audio book together. Just want to hang out together is Mm. is what feels good. So I have to make time for that. You know, that's also Mm. very important.
0: Mm. Thank you so much, Tom, for your time. Um it's been extremely it's our honor and that and our um and our good fortune that you do this for all of us. Thank you so much.
1: Well you're welcome. And thank you for pulling it all together and making it happen and Hopefully, uh, between the two of us and, and Charles there, who's doing all the techie work for us, between <laughs> the three of us, we will uh, produce something that a lot of people will learn something from and make their life just a little happier. That's the point. Thank you so much, Tom. You're welcome. Till next time, Andy.
0: Oh, would you come back for our Discord special number two? <laughs> You mean
1: number three? This is number two.
0: No, well, the Discord special
1: is uh, this uh, is the first time. The uh, next time, I,
0: think... I will also bring some questions from the group. Yeah, sure. Thank you Just so much. Just talk
1: to Pamela; she'll find a place for you on the schedule. Oh uh, yes, I will. I will. I will contact her. Thank okay. you so much. Okay, bye bye, bye, Charles. Bye bye.
0: To learn more about Time Out and NIMSA go to nimsa.me Join our social media and continue the conversation on Time Out for Humanity. Let us know what topics you would like us to cover.